Hey guys, Joe here. Just want to do a little quick introduction before the show starts. We got a special episode coming up. Um, so special we forgot to do the disclaimer. So, disclaimer, <laughs> if you can't take a joke, if you're easily offended, this may not be the podcast for you. But still, like, follow, and share. Give us a try. Tell your friends. We really appreciate it. And we hope you can see past all the jokes and the offensiveness, you know? Don't be so sensitive. Life's too short, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Uh, Surge is in the back game if you hear some faint gunshots. <laughs> but we really do hope you enjoyed the episode and all the future episodes we got coming up in this new year, year three. So without further ado, let's kick off year three with a bang with a new special guest. You'll see in just a second. Enjoy. Welcome, man. Welcome, Shane. Oh, Thank yeah, you, we are live. <laughs> <laughs> we family, son. Exactly. Uh, what did you do? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we family, son. Family, son. I'm Joe. I'm Serge, and today we got a special guest, Shane, from uh, What's Punchlines. up, man? Yeah, Punchlines. Punchlines, yeah. Yes, yes. Special guest, Shane McMurdo, and uh, he's, he's taking some time out of his busy schedule to... Uh, Join us for the show and tell us a little more about himself and his show. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, my name's Shane McMurdo. I, uh, like, I'm a nine-year vet of the United States Navy. Um, part of my time was actually spent where y'all are from, over in New York and New Jersey. Uh, that's where I started doing comedy back in 2019. Um, wow. When I got out of the military, I moved back home to Vegas. That's where I'm originally from. Um, and that's when I began this podcast, Punchlines. Uh, I'm not a stand-up comedian anymore. I quit doing it just because, like, uh, I fell out of love with it. And, mm. it, like, you guys could probably agree. There's a lot of comedians that go on these stages that don't take it fully seriously. So they just take up time from everyone else. Or yeah. So I just – I didn't want to do that to yeah, comedy, and I didn't want to do it to myself. So, I like, I stepped away. But uh, I brought back this podcast, Punchlines. That, um, my biggest love in life is professional boxing, and I just interview – uh, professional boxers or people involved with the world of professional boxing and amateurs as well now. And um, just just last year alone, 2022, I took it from doing it from the side of my bed um, to being partnered with like a boxing shoe company and, and doing cool shit that I'm extremely grateful to be able to do, man. Oh, that's amazing, man. Nice, nice. That's dope, yo. So <clears throat> what? So you've always loved boxing. Do you ever box? Yeah, I did. I, uh, I, it's it's kind of crazy. I boxed while I was in the Navy, uh, out in San Diego, and a little bit when in New Jersey and New York. But uh, the boxing shoe company I'm partnered with now, Adams, um, the guy, the owner, Carlos Adams, he actually had the same old coach as I do, which is how we met, and kind of how our friendship began before the the partnership started. So there's a crazy like coincidence though, that his first coach was my old coach. So, Coach Sergio. Oh, that's that's his name. Good. Yeah. I'm a coach. <laughs> I'm a coach. Amateur porn. <laughs> <laughs> nah. nah. That's his first love. He just yeah. sticks to comedy right now. He's nah. like, I'm, I'm going to get back. Hey, speaking at. of amateur porn, one of the greatest jokes I ever heard, a guy I used to do comedy with in New Jersey, actually. His name is Nate Bennett. 
And he was talking about, he's like, girls always tell me like porn, porn can't teach you anything. Porn can't teach you anything. And he's like, uh, first of all, that's how I know how to spell the word amateur. (laughs) 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 One of the best jokes I've ever heard, bro. Oh man. (laughs) How do you, how do you get a, like, how do you get in in contact with these other, uh, these, well, these boxers, you know what I mean? Like you just hit them up or you fucking... Yeah, at first that's what I was having to do. I would I would just send DMs like crazy. And um I was so when I actually when I lived in New Jersey and New York and stuff when I was in the military, I was a Navy recruiter. So mm-hmm. it's like I had to be intrusive. I had to knock on doors. I had to talk to strangers and stuff. And I fucking hated it cuz <laughs> it's like like I hated the Navy. And it's like, I'm, I'm, I hated being in the Navy and I'm trying to ask these other kids like, Hey, you want to be in the Navy? Like, it's like trying to set up people with your ex, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it just was terrible. So I, I hated doing it, but like, I know I can talk to a boxer, so I have no problem like talking to him. And for me, I, I just, I had to be real with myself. I didn't, if I started a podcast where all, where all it was, was me and a friend talking about boxing, I knew no one would listen to it. And I wanted it had Shots to be again. centered around. <laughs> hey, no, no, no. See, y'all are funny. I can't make boxing funny, and like I can't make boxing more interesting by myself. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. What I say, do. Hey, you can't make boxing funny. You've never seen Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Best movie yeah. ever made, yo. Bro, uh, I love that. I, yeah, don't get me started on Rocky. I'll be here all day, bro. <laughs> but um, uh, I just no, I I wanted to interview. I want, huh? Oh, my bad. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, but yeah, it was like, I wanted to, my goal with this podcast, even still, is not to make myself bigger with the podcast. I want to make myself big enough to where I can make the sport bigger. Because mm. it's, to, I, I want to do more things than just buy, than, than just make the podcast big. I want to help fighters. I want to bring something to the sport like that fixes it. Because boxing's fu- a fucking mess, bro. Like, that's why, you know, we lose views all the time and in the sport is losing popularity like crazy. Um, It's coming back a little bit, but there's a lot of things that need to be fixed. And the easiest way to do that, because you can't fake being good at boxing and you can't hide being bad at boxing. So like the athletes have should have all the power, especially in the social media age. And I don't see anybody like promoting them correctly or giving them the stage correctly. And you have a bunch of boxing podcasts out there where they do interview boxers, but it's like we were talking about before we started recording. It's it's the same thing. It's either too clean cut or it's just too all over the place. Yeah. So um, I copied the Joe Rogan model because he did great things for UFC fighters and helped making their career bigger. Now, obviously, I'm not Joe, but like I know how to talk to people and I know how to talk about boxing. So I just started getting boxers on there just to talk. Uh, the first big name fighter I got on was a guy by the name of Steve Cunningham. Mm. And the reason I got him on was because not only was he a former champion and he had just, he had fought a a former UFC champ on the Jake Paul Ben Askren card, like the week before he came on the show. Uh, but he's also a Navy vet. He was in the Navy for a while. And that's, that's how I was always leading off with these DMs. I was like, Hey, my name's Shane McMurdo. I'm a nine-year Navy vet and a stand-up comedian because it's like, even though I hated all nine years I was in the Navy, I know that it, it it's 
it's like a, a, it a weight. distinguishing factor. It distinguishes mm-hmm. me from other people and, and it's a good selling point. It's a good intro. And I started, I got Steve. And then once I got Steve, I was able to get, you know, a, a few other fighters and uh, just started growing momentum from there because like that's credentials in your pocket. Like, yeah, these guys yeah. are coming to my show. Would you like to? And I've, I've DM'd probably over 200 fighters Damn. Most of them don't read them. Most of them don't reply. But yeah, read. I get it. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm joking. No, that's no, cool. Though. No, it's funny you mentioned that because I I, I didn't want to cut you off because I know you you was giving us the the whole story. But <clears throat> I was gonna ask you, yeah, are you you know maybe are you trying to be without comparing you directly because you don't nobody ever wants to be this the next this they want to be their own thing. But yeah, Joe Rogan, you know that's where he got a lot of his popularity from because. Um, I know, yeah, he does stand up, but realistically, UFC elevated him to a level where he just became the bros bro, you know what I mean, when it came to that sport. Yeah. And as he grew in the sport group, it was like, it was correlated. So once that, he started growing, the sport grew, and the sport growing helped him grow. So, like, that's right. what, is that what you're trying to do with, when it comes to boxing? Because boxing doesn't get promoted the same way, and, and, and kind of UFC has taken over that. Um, combat, what is it? Combat, combat, combat sports. sports. Yeah. Combat sports. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's, it's not just that, but it's like, okay. So we were talking about Rocky not too long ago. Best movie ever made. <laughs> Everybody loves Rocky mm-hmm. because of the story. Yeah. You, you tell what people don't realize is that that story is everywhere in the fucking sport of boxing in real life. Like, Caleb Plant, one of my favorite fighters on the planet. The dude grew up poor as shit in Tennessee. Uh, he didn't even have, when he first started training, he didn't even have a boxing ring. All the students had to stand around in a circle holding hands so people wouldn't fall down. Mm. That's how he started training. And then became a uh, National Golden Gloves champion, became pro. He had a daughter who had a, a rare disease, and at one years old, she died. Oh, wow. And then a few yeah. months later, his mom died. And then just last year, he fought Canelo. And then, you know, like stories like that, you don't see in a lot of a lot of places. And it's just so sick to hear these stories and hear these people's backgrounds. Uh, I've had a guy that that escaped from Cuba, defected from Cuba, come here, and he was stuck out to sea for seven days just so he could come here and fight and make money for it. And it's like these these boxers have these great stories, and nobody gets them out there. They'll get them out there a little bit during the fight, but when they interview them. It, you you hear the same answer a hundred times from from the same fighter. Like I'm just focused on the fight. I really want to go out there and win and show what I can do. Like they're giving like the Time Magazine answer, and it's like yeah, generic yeah. answer. Yeah, the Monday yeah. morning quarterback. Yeah, and I, I want to see. I want people to see them for who they are because that's what Joe does. You know, like like I had Tony Harrison on just last week. You know, he's a former champion. You know, very popular guy. For, for like 15 minutes of the interview, all we talked about was football and basketball. We didn't even talk mm-hmm. about boxing. So it's just like, you know, when I had Mario Barrios on, I told him about the first time I had to buy weed when I got out of the Navy and I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> you know, funny shit like that. Not just not just boxing. And, and uh, a big problem with boxing media, whether it be the professional, like, um, guys, like, the the backed podcast by networks or even you know guys that have shows like us where it's just these you know grassroots podcasts a lot of them is is very much like the way politics is covered because it 
boxing is a very dramatic sport inherently, but there's like a lot of friction between the fan bases because it's a very cultural dominant sport, kind of like how the UFC is with, you know, you, you got your Brazilians, you got your, your Russians, you got your Americans. Boxing's the same way with just these different cultures and the cultures clash because everybody yeah. talks shit and everybody looks at it as like a tribalistic combat thing. So a lot of the people who cover it, they apply their own bias to it. They apply their own spin or mm. a lot of people will, will post hot takes or, or crazy allegations for clickbait type shit. And I don't yeah. want that. I want to be real. I want the fighters to appear to be real. So just give something to boxing that I haven't seen much of and just doing it my own way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think that's uh, important that you said that the whole tribalism because in other sports like football for example you know it's a team sport so the whole team is not going to be all black or all white or even even if they are all black you might have a jamaican dude here or haitian dude here boxing it's one-on-one so that one guy encompasses everything of what he is you know there's no diversity where it's like oh yeah we got a the the safety is from ghana but then the quarterback is from michigan you know it's not like that boxing it's this guy is from here so everybody who's from there is going to be rolling with him Mm -hmm. and then on the other side you got this guy who's from here and they're going to be rolling with him. like when when you had the the joke fight of the mayweather versus mcgregor that got very dicey Mm -hmm. at one point because you had this corner where yeah he's irish so the irish people behind him but also he was he was white. Yeah. And then you have Mayweather here and he's black. So now you have that whole cultural dynamic and in boxing and it's different because it's one person and not and not a whole team where you'd be like, well, I don't like them because they have this person here. I like them because that's my team. So I'm going to support whoever's on my team. But when you watch boxing, your team is the person. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's very, very like when Wilder fought Fury, bro, because I'm in the Facebook boxing groups because I originally joined that because, dude, it's hard to find boxing fans, like, in real life. So, yeah, like, the only way, like, I can't just talk to boxing with people I work with because most of them don't even watch it. So it's like, <laughs> like, I'm having to do the whole, you know, go on Craigslist to meet up with a dude at the truck stop type of thing. <laughs> where I'm fucking you like boxing? Going yeah. on Facebook to talk about boxing with strangers. There's a guy in the side yeah, right. trench coat and a boxing glove in it. <laughs> Just knock on a stall, like, "Hey, bro, watch the fight." But, but, uh, but these Facebook, these the Facebook boxing groups are like Call of Duty chats, online oh, yeah. chats, because it is the most toxic shit. I remember, like, you criticize one fight, like if you criticize a black fighter, you'll have like ten guys calling you racist, mm. or. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dude, and like the Mexicans and the black fans in boxing fucking say the most ridiculous, like racist shit to each other. Mm. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, I'm not allowed to fucking take part in this <laughs> at all. <laughs> so I, yeah, he's like, I like Canelo. And the black guy's like, what are you talking about, white boy? And then he's like, all right, I like Waldo. And they're like, hey, <laughs> black yeah. over here. And there's that one Filipino guy that's like, well, what about Manny Pacquiao? <laughs> yeah, oh, no, dude, Manny Pacquiao fans. Mm-hmm. You, you go on, a, I can go on a Facebook page right now and I'll see 10 Manny, Manny Pacquiao fans posting shit about Mayweather calling him a pussy. Today, <laughs> every day, it's still there. It still exists. I, that rivalry. I'm, my bad. I didn't mean to cut you over yet. I, I was gonna say, how, how do you feel about that? Do you think they were supposed to for that? 
No. No. Mayweather, they say he ran the whole fight. How the fuck do you land more punches if you ran the whole fight? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, he outlanded him by a lot. He landed over 100 punches. You can't land over 100 punches if you run the whole time. He just doesn't get hit a lot. And it's, I don't know. I don't think Mayweather's a pussy. I don't think that guy's a pussy. Oh, okay. Uh, well, one, um, first of all, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if your mic is tripping over there, but you're coming in a little lower. I don't know if you position your phone differently, but you were coming in good before. Is that better? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 the sound, okay. the sound. Oh, there it goes. No, no, is, it my, is it my headset then? I don't know. He sounds different now. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. My bad. Um, was it when, the, um, when I say um, maybe pussy is a strong word, let's not do that because I know you represent the boxing world. I don't want anybody thinking that you're trying to play anybody. And he ain't got hands, so he can't <laughs> I, don't, I don't watch boxing. I don't claim to know boxing. I don't hate it. I just It's just not for me. But that that's, yeah. um, I you know, um, the reason why I never really got into it is, uh, it's not that I think these guys, I don't think it's like wrestling, where I think it's fake. So if people always get like super offended when I'm like, I don't believe the results. And it's not because I think it's fake. I just feel like there's so much money involved that maybe there's like, you know, like, do I think these guys could Really fuck each other up? Like, fuck me up? Absolutely. But, like, do I think they might be throwing a fights? How do you feel about that? Because I feel like that happens, you know, maybe yeah. you know, more back in the day. But I feel like nowadays, uh, I don't know. I feel like it's been tainted so much when it comes to things like that, where people find it hard to believe the results. Yeah. No, it's that's a real thing. And it's a real stigma the sport has. And it's a real problem the sport has. And, and a lot of it, too, is because the judges that they have for these fighters are like 90 fucking years old, bro. Mm. They're so, they're, they're what, like, how is, how, how is this old ass man going to keep up with a fight? Like the dude can barely stay awake. And not just that there, there is too much money involved, but like, because there's so much more scrutiny on the sport with social media and everything, you don't really see it in like the officiating or the, the judging of the fights anymore. You still see it. But the real controversy in boxing now becomes down to the matchmaking because there's just like too much. There's too many promoters. There's too many networks involved. And like you get these these big name fighters. You have there's so many big name fighters in the sport, but none of them fight anybody because their promoters don't want them to lose. So they, they give them these these fights that are pretty much like foregone conclusion fights. You don't really get those big fights anymore where you don't know who's going to win. You get them, but you don't get them as often, and that's the biggest problem with the sport. That's where I think, that's where I think the bad, the the worst part of boxing is right now is just the lack of like good matchmaking. But then you do have some really shitty judges out there that really taint results, and it's because, yeah, dude, like these, it's not like the UFC where the the UFC has all the fighters. It's boxing so there's like i said there's so many promoters where they each have their own fighters and those fighters become their cash cow so yeah why would you send them in there in a tough fight that they could potentially lose when they'll make the same amount of money fighting somebody not known and if if that fight's close it's going to be really hard for that guy to get the decision yeah how do you how do you feel about the paul brothers in boxing you feel like they've helped the the, they've helped boxing or you feel like they they're kind of fucking it up I got mixed feelings about it, you know, because they're not fighting boxers. I mean, yeah, Logan did that thing with Floyd, but that wasn't a real fight. Mm. Jake Paul's going out there and fighting retired MMA fighters in their 40s. And (laughs) like, but he is, he brings eyes to the sport, which is good. More people talk about it now, 
which is good. More people watch it now, which is good. But at the same time, it's like the reason that they're as popular as they are in the sport is because of boxing, not because of them. Boxing caused that problem because the same thing you were just talking about. You you said you don't watch it because it's like you don't believe the results. You're not alone in that. A lot of people quit watching it. A lot of people quit watching it for the same point I brought up. So when you boxing created that void of no good matchmaking and no, you know, constant, consistent quality product. So there was a void to be filled. So these social media guys can fill that. They couldn't do that in the UFC, but you couldn't, would you watch a one-on-one game between like Ken Griffey Jr. and fucking was destroying? Nobody's going to watch that. (laughs) It's not going to compete with like an actual NBA game. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no, no, no. But, yeah. But I hope boxing can get to a point where those guys like that don't have such easy access to the top. But it's going to take a while. But at at the same time, though, I don't think Jake Paul's ever going to fight anybody really legitimate in the sport either and be successful. Exactly. And that and that's where it goes into questioning the results again, because, you know, you we've seen the videos where guys are literally like hit me, basically, and they hit they get hit and then they go down and Jake Paul's the winner. And then people sit there and they go, well, that's that's how boxing is. Like, how am I to believe that that's not what's happening with the pros? Because they're just going to be cleaned up more because they've done this their whole life. It's almost like watching a Globetrotter game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Can these guys really ball? Do I think I could beat the Washington Generals? No, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, are, are the Washington Generals going to beat the Globetrotters? We already know, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's just too many foregone conclusion fights. And then the they put on bad cards, too. Like, they'll put on, like, like a, a card is what you call, like, a fight night. Like, the, the list of fights going on is called a fight card. Okay. And a pay-per-view will be, like, 75 bucks. <sighs> and then you'll have... A big name fighter fighting a no name fighter, and then a medium name fighter in the co main event fighting maybe another medium name fighter, probably another no name fighter. And then, like, you'll have guys on a pay per view card with a losing record or a, a record of like 12 wins and 10 losses. And it's like, why are we paying 75 bucks to see this? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The USC don't do shit like that. Yeah, they don't. Then they and then they have like fight pass. You know, you have like the subscriptions. You know, like I feel like boxing is still set in their ways. You know, where we're not going to move with the, the times, and and that's what's leaving them behind. Yeah, like, and, and like that social media presence. Yeah, it's people are trying, but it's just it's the same thing. It's like with streaming services now. You got fucking Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Peacock. The same thing with boxing. It's like you if you, before it used to be Netflix. Netflix used to have everything, and then when all these other people started starting their own shit, they started getting you know their piece of the pie. So now it's like you have to go to all these other different places to watch what you want, and then a bunch of shows or movies you've never heard of and have no interest in watching. <laughs> so it's just too like diluted and 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 like congested. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you on that. Um, real quick to go back to like the bad cards, and that's that's where I was going for when I met. Um, do you think? Um, I don't want like I said, I don't want to say pussy again, but do you think he took the that he was ducking May um floor um was Mayweather ducking Pacquiao 
for the fight. That's what I was going for. Not the actual fight results, because you're right. When you land more than 100 punches in the other guy, it's hard to say he was running when he still got got the hits, right? But the fact that it took so long to set up the fight, because that fight was talked about years in advance. Right. Um, I think a part of it, I don't think, I don't think Floyd was ducking Manny, but I think Floyd was, because Floyd was what we call the A side, meaning the more popular side, the dominant side of the financials of who's going to be bringing in the most money. But it was a close A A, A side, B side. It was like a 55-45, but they both were at fault for that. And Manny Pacquiao's promoter at the time, Bob Arum, was at fault for that because, you know, Floyd wasn't signed to top rank. Manny was. So top rank wants to get the most money possible. Well, you know, Floyd wants to get the most money possible. And there was just so much back and forth. Like um, Floyd wanted Manny to do Olympic drug testing because Manny had a lot of steroid accusations and Floyd was going to do the Olympic testing just like him, but Manny declined. And so it's just like, when Floyd got offered the contract and he declined, that's on him. When Manny refused the drug testing, that's on him. So I, I think it was both of their faults. And Floyd just gets – Floyd gets most of the hate because people hate Floyd. And he's yeah, an easy yeah. guy to hate. He's an easy guy to hate. He talks a lot of shit. Uh, a lot of people wouldn't agree with the way he acts outside of the ring, you know. And then he had, you know, the domestic violence charge, which definitely doesn't help. And so, of course, he's going to take most of the hate because that's what his whole image is based off of, is, is being the shit talker, brash guy. And that's what made him popular is because people wanted to pay. They either wanted to see him win or they wanted to see him lose. Same thing with like McGregor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Floyd's got that, that, that rare, rare characteristic. You know, how they always go, don't read the comments. He literally <laughs> can't read the comments. So it never affected him. And he just kept doing what he wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Floyd doesn't care about anybody's opinions. He just cares about no. paychecks, bro. Hey, man, that's all that matters at the end of the day. Yeah, that's why you got all that money. You cash them checks. That's what, it. Don't matter what's said about you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Money talks, bro. So do people, but money talks louder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause you can buy those people. <laughs> you can wipe my tears away with hundred dollar bills. Now I will say this: I fu- Mayweather fight one through fifty. I fucking love the guy. I, I think he's. In my opinion, he's the greatest fighter I've ever seen in my lifetime. Um, but what he's doing now, I can't stand it. You know, he's exploiting the sport. He's taking advantage of the sport. He's getting money. I'm never going to tell anybody not to get money if they're, what they're doing is legal. But it's damaging the sport. I really believe it's damaging the sport. And um, the good thing is, is he's fucking almost 50. So I don't think he has much of those left in him. But... Mm. Uh, I, I really can't stand what he's doing, and I hate how he promotes his own fighters and how he manages their careers. Um, but hopefully, hopefully, it starts to go away. But what, what does he do with his fighters? Like, does he just like not promote them right? Like, what do you mean by that? No, man. He may he get like I told you before, like how these promoters when they have a big name fighter, they they make very calculated matchmaking for him. And okay, his. Biggest fighter was Javante Tank Davis, right? Who fights this weekend on pay-per-view. Um, one of the biggest names in the sport. And it's like he has still yet to face like that other big name fighter. He's fought big name fighters, but like the biggest name guy he's fought so far is like Leo Santa Cruz, who actually had to come up a weight class to fight him. So he's fighting a smaller guy. Mm-hmm. And then 
you know, he fought uh, Rolando Romero this past year, who's who's popular, but he's popular because he talks shit. He's not popular because he's beat a bunch of uh, good guys. And if you look at the odds for that fight, Tank was a huge favorite. And then he knocked him out in the sixth round. So it shows why. When you have all these other big name fighters in his division, like Ryan Garcia, and the fights aren't getting made because it's like you're going to make the same against Roldy as you're going to make against Garcia. Not only that, but Garcia fights for Oscar De La Hoya. They're going to want money, so they're going to take more money than what Romero is going to make. So it's just he doesn't promote him correctly either. Like whenever he goes to talk about him, he always compares their career to his career. So he always has to like make himself a part of it, which I really don't like. Yeah, and it's just yeah, but it's it's that thing. I feel like he's gonna suffer from that shit, like Michael Jordan, where he doesn't know how to separate himself with the game, Mm. and he wants to compare everybody to him, and everybody's not him. Yeah, and he wants to stay relevant, which is why he keeps doing these stupid ass little fights and everything. And he'll do it. He'll do these big fights, like. To rival fights like when he fought um mcgregor that shit was going on like the month before triple g and canelo fought which was the biggest fight in boxing at that time yes. so he couldn't like it's, it's like he can't stand not being in the limelight so he has to take the limelight and then <laughs> um that logan paul shit was to rival fury and wilder mm. to oh, take wow. away from them. I... yeah and it, it was just that is was, petty as uh, yeah, it, it's gross, man. Like I get really, I get real, real, real sick of it. What but I'll defend the, the guy Tom Blue in the face about his career for sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, all right. So I, I was gonna ask you, um, other than him, but you say he's the best fight you ever seen. Who's your favorite fight boxer of all time? Andre Ward. Uh, I don't know if you guys know who he is. Former super middleweight champion. Have you guys seen Creed or Creed mm-hmm. Two? Yeah. Remember I'd the guy that knocked him the Okay, so remember the guy that knocked him the fuck out and then took the keys to his car? Yeah. Yeah. That's Andre That's Ward. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've seen yeah. him on first take a couple of times. Yeah, he announces for ESPN now and he's a great announcer and he doesn't make himself a part of it. And he's very talented. Uh a lot of people don't realize either um he fought most of his career with like an extremely damaged right shoulder. So he fought most of his career with one arm, and he still went undefeated. Oh wow! Oh yeah. wait, so he oh so he went undefeated? Yeah, he retired undefeated. Oh wow, that's crazy! That's amazing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn. And then my, <laughs> I would say my favorite fighter um, that I didn't get to see fight in my lifetime is Sugar Ray Leonard. He's just mm-hmm. one of the most entertaining guys in and out of the ring. Uh, perfect combination of power and speed, and he, he was flashy. Uh, yeah, I love Sugar Ray Leonard. Yeah, my dad likes sugar. My dad was big into boxing, but my dad was really old. He, he was born in 49, so he got to see all that shit. He saw Muhammad Ali and all that. Yeah, my dad, he was born in, he's, he's like, he was born in 1960, but yeah, he got to see all the, the heyday of boxing too. So I'm, something I'm jealous of, but that's what I want to bring, hopefully bring the sport back to is because I still, there's so many talented fighters in the sport today that people don't know about. And if you start making them more popular, I think the sport will get more popular. Mm. yeah absolutely absolutely but um, you think it's because like you know like um because you know when you sign a contract like they're probably not getting paid for promotion so like the, you think if they were to get paid to to promote that they would be have like a, a stronger online presence you get what i mean like, uh, 
Well, a lot of them are actually starting to do that, bro. A lot of them are starting to take, like, the guys with the social media followings, they're starting yeah. to do more, like, social media stuff and use their social media platform as an advantage to get sponsors from other companies or to get deals with other companies. Uh, a lot of them even do the subscription-based content. Like, they're spiders with OnlyFans accounts. Like, they're not on there, like, spreading their ass cheeks apart. But they'll be, like, <laughs> like, Damn it. I, but I hope not. Fucking, yeah, let me see that uh, Canelo jello. <laughs> <laughs> imagine that. Imagine thinking you're going to see, like, some behind-the-scenes footage shit, and then you just yeah. see, like, Manny Pacquiao ripping one off, bro. But, yeah, I but then too at the same time is like you have a lot of other fighters who don't have that opportunity of having a big falling because the sport doesn't promote them correctly and it's really hard for them to promote themselves and dude these boxers man they're fucking busy bro like let me train as hard they're either training for a fight or a lot of them don't have the luxury of the money to to not do anything between fights so a lot of these guys they have to do you know, most of them just train, like personal training for money. So they're, they're constantly dealing with clients or they're doing something with a sponsor or they'll get be brought into somebody else's camp to help them. So it's like they have busy-ass lives. It's hard for them to always promote themselves. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of them don't really have like a life. Like if you if you would say like that, like, like Mayweather was that rare boxer where you saw him being out and about and being flashy, right? You don't really see that when it comes to yeah, boxers, but, right? But he's been doing it for the longest though, right? Because Mayweather, his pops trained him, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, his his dad and his uncle. He went back and forth between them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, but if, and he was, was he was a star anyway from. Yeah, yeah, he was one of the few guys too. He was a star coming into the sport, coming out of the Olympics and everything. And you have fighters like that now, like Shakur Stevenson. He was a star as soon as he got here. Tank as well. So you have guys that are lucky like that, but then you have guys like who aren't known when they come out of the amateurs and they they start to get more known in the professional ranks. But then, you know, that's a dime a dozen. Not like not every fighter is going to get that type of publicity. Mm. Yeah. And it's like the UFC is the same way. Like the UFC is promoting the shit out of that Patty Pimblet guy. And that dude's like way less talented than a lot of the roster, but he's one of the most popular fighters. Mm. Oh, is, oh, I think I know which one. That was the guy who was talking about suicide awareness at the end of his fight. Yeah, he's the British dude with that fucking ridiculous haircut. <laughs> yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Jesse. UFC, most of them. Yeah, no, that's hard. It's hard to narrow it down. <laughs> no, no, I mean, he looks like Nick Swardson from the Benchwarmers, like legitimately. <laughs> like, like with that, like goofy little bowl cut and shit, and it's like, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, he looks like yeah, a I, I've seen that guy. Oh man, love it. So, what was the farthest you ever got when it came to boxing? Like, did you ever go into like, like trying to climb the ranks? Did you ever fight while you were in the service? Like for the go, uh, some uh, gloves, go gloves. Like- no, no, I never fought at a level that serious. But um, I had a few fights, bro. I didn't have many, but I trained for a long time. Most of my, when I refer to fights, it's mainly just sparring that I would do. But I did pretty high level sparring. Like the gym I trained out of was a pretty, uh, a pretty pretty good gym. Like uh, it was mainly an MMA gym. Like it was the gym that Dominic Cruz trained out of. Uh, I don't know if you know who that is, or the, we had another guy named Jeremy Stevens. What he's most known for is he's the guy. Like you ever seen the clip of Conor McGregor going, 
who the fuck is that guy? Yes, yeah, yeah I love who, that clip. <laughs> he, he was talking to Jeremy. That's mm. who he was talking to. And Jeremy trained at my gym and, and uh, shit like that. But uh, yeah, man, it was mainly just because my parents wouldn't let me do it as a kid. They let me train when I got to high school. And then once I got into the service and I had like my own freedom, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to do it now. I don't care. And went from there. All right. That's, hey, man, that's nothing to be ashamed of, man. I, like, I've never boxed, period. I think I did like two classes one time because I got into a school fight. And my dad was like, you're going to go and you're going to take boxing because the kid was like taller than me, like a lot taller than me, which isn't hard, but I was even shorter then. So I was like, I'm like 5'3", dude. And this and this kid was probably like already like 5'9", but it seemed like he was taller because I was so <laughs> fucking short. And he like, he snuck attacked me. Like I didn't like get beat up, but I'm not over here thinking I'm the toughest guy either. But I was like, you're going to take boxing. And I did like two like little training sessions. And then they were going to put me this far with some other kid who's, Probably like what you said. I was, I was the, I was, you know, they had the big name and then they had the, some asshole who was just there to boost his stats. And I was the asshole because this kid was yeah, training right. for like years since he was like 10. And I'm like, my dad's like, nah, you're not boxing no more. <laughs> no, nah, I kind of had the same thing. I, I was being picked on by these guys and then um, the landlord helped me out. He beat them up and then we went to the school because I was going to go to the school to train. But the kids that beat me, beat me up were training at that school already. So he had to train me for the All Valley tournament that summer. And this motherfucker. When when I lived on the East Coast, my coach took me to this gym in Patterson, New Jersey, which you guys know Patterson, yeah. being from yeah, New yeah. York. Patterson's a rough ass place, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And the gym was was a perfect microcosm of what Patterson is because it was it was a rough place too. They they I get in there and I'm like, yeah, we're here to spar. And they're like, okay, how much do you weigh? And I'm like, uh, I'm one like 165. They're like, all right, we'll throw you in with him. I go in there, I'm getting the fucking piss beat out of me. And I'm like, what the fuck? The dude had eight professional fights. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was just because we were like the same weight. They threw me in there and I'm like, what the fuck is this, man? Oh man. Yeah. yeah. You be like that, yeah, you, know? you yeah, can't that, go to people's houses and expect a fair fight, man. Yeah, that kid yeah, that you're trying to put me against, man, that kid was the equivalent of the eight professional fights because I, I had no fights. I had no sparring, you know. I just learned how to do a bolo punch, <laughs> and, I, and I was still not doing it right. I was just trying to learn how to pronounce the shit. And then the kid yeah. is just like, and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, why did you fight the tall white kid again? <laughs> I like yeah, that shit again. Like, Oh yeah, if they start getting colors, it's like you, you're, yeah, your your odds get lower when you fight. <laughs> like the darker the fighter gets, the worse your odds are, bro. Y'all from New York, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm from the Bronx. He's from Queens. Oh shit, nah, what but, part of the Bronx are you from? Um, we moved around a lot, but um, before I moved, well, I, we're actually in Florida now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But growing up, I was around um, Bedford Park and Gun Hill, and then okay. ended up in Pelham Parkway. And then in my, my later years, before I moved down here, I was in um, by Pelham Bay. Okay, yeah. I, I used to go to the Bronx all the time, and then uh, I actually work out of Fort Hamilton over in Brooklyn, right off the of Verrazano. And then... Oh, okay. Uh, okay. But I used to... We used to have to do our PRTs in the white part of the Bronx, over in Throgs Neck. So yeah, like, right by where I was like, living. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the mob shit over there, bro. Like the mob, like legitimately still exists in Throg's <laughs> Neck for sure. Yes, that's why yeah. they got the best. And Staten Island, <laughs> bro. I was uh, living out there too when that that mob boss got killed in his driveway in Staten Island, just shot and killed, and like not even for mob related shit. It was just a crazy guy in the street. Like how fuck? This is the wildest shit. I be man. Yeah. Oh. So you lived in so you lived in um, New York for a little bit. I lived in New Jersey. I lived in Bergen County, New Jersey, just on the other side of the oh, G. Oh, wow, Bergen County, yeah, yeah. But that's I, where uh, my boy's from. Really? What part? Yeah, uh, North Bergen. Oh, North Bergen. Yeah, that's where Joey Diaz is from. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, fucking, I worked in Brooklyn, and then the HQ for our recruiting district was in Long Island, over in Garden City, and then. But I, I was all over New York. Um, I Queens was probably the borough I went to the least, but I had to do a lot of work over in like the uh, Richmond Hill area sometimes. So when I would okay. go to Queens, that's the part I would go to. But yeah, man, I loved it out there. I didn't, I didn't get to experience the city too much because I'm the type of guy I fucking hate lines. Like I hate waiting in line, <laughs> and all New York City is is just one big ass line you're waiting in, bro. Mm. That's like, that's the common misconception when people come when people meet me and him, they're like, Oh, how's the city? And like, you're talking to the wrong people, yo. Anybody who's from New York and don't live in the city, don't go to the city really. Like, unless you have a purpose, you got a like a specific like I'm going to a Broadway show or I got a date, but even then you're still trying to plan that date somewhere else, you know, because you don't want to be with all the, the crowds. The crowds yes. you can't drive, the parking's expensive. You might as well keep it in your borough or go to somewhere like the Queens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah like old. even when i did comedy i i hard like i did some spots in the city but i just i hated going so much and it's like if you're just doing open mics it's not worth going to the city unless you live in the city Dude. so I, yeah. I actually did most of my comedy over in rockland county over in like nyack and suffer oh, and shit okay. like that yeah yeah we used to go to the pool up there <laughs> Uh, there's, um, the, the levity live was like my club, dude. I was there every week, bro. And it, it really helped my career. And it was very con- like being able to get a club atmosphere at least once a week really helped. And, yeah. but the first time I ever got paid to do comedy was actually in Poughkeepsie, fucking trashy ass Poughkeepsie, New York, bro. At this Mexican Irish bar. I'm not even kidding. It's called Juan Murphy. the wildest shit. You perform for Snooky's parents. <laughs> yeah, dude. God, bro. Yeah, yeah no. That's and- a misconception about Jersey too. Everybody thinks it's like the Jersey Shore, and I'm like, bro. Mm-hmm. Most people in Jersey aren't even like that, unless you're like down south. And even then, most of them aren't even from there. They're either from Philly or New York. Jersey's just like, it's like if New York like had a fucking backyard pretty much is all it is. It's like everybody yeah. who's not in New York is just doing the same shit in Jersey. Cause it's still fast paced. And then they say, they say New York and New Jersey's like, Oh, everybody's rude out there. I'm like, no, they're actually nice. They're just fucking busy, bro. There's a difference. Yeah. Like, but yeah, yeah I, I love to be wasted. Yeah. yeah. I, I loved living out there, man. I don't know if I would move back, but when I lived there, I, mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's not that you don't enjoy it. It's just the prices makes you not want to go back. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I want to enjoy this more, but it's not worth it. Yeah, I paid 1700 a month for a one-bedroom apartment in between a preschool and a fucking railroad, dude. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I've been there. The surgeon's like, damn, you're going to have to move this apartment like 500 feet away. Why do you touch kids? I will if they don't shut the fuck up. Yeah, bro. <laughs> and they know what's good for them. <laughs> nah. No, you know, it's a good example, a perfect description of like New York, New Jersey, and Philly. You know how they have the, the whole concept of, um, well, not the concept, but, you know, the, how how the earth was. It was a Pangea, and then it gets broken up over time, yeah. and then we get the continents. That's how New York, New Jersey, and Philly is. And so, some parts of Connecticut, it's like they were all connected at one point, and they just, like, divided it. Bro, because they're not really that much different. Yeah, because that's what, what do they call that? That's the tri-state area, right? It's yeah. New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and then, you know, Philly's right there. I said New York and New Jersey ain't rude. People in Philadelphia are fucking assholes, bro. Like, you don't think they rocky, those, man. Yo, <laughs> rocky, the, the fucking Eagles, bro, like, never won a Super Bowl until when was that, 2017? 2018. Yeah. yeah, 2017, 2018, yeah. Yeah, don't tell them that, though. But, yeah, dude, people in Philly are fucking dickheads, bro. Hmm. Really. Yeah. Like, Did you see that celebration from Devontae Smith, man? Against the Cowboys no, on what? Christmas Eve. Uh-uh. What? Oh, I saw. Didn't they lose? They lost. They lost. Yeah, but they were winning at this point. This is when they went okay. up ahead by like 10 before Cowboys, you know, took over. Um, yeah. So, uh, Devontae, you know how they got the Salvation Army bucket, right? That, that does. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, they, you know, they got on Zeke's ass for doing that, right? Jumping in. So, Devontae Smith catches a touchdown. He runs over to the bucket. He pretends to put on a mask, kicks open an imaginary door, and starts stealing from the fucking bucket. It's the best <laughs> celebration I've ever seen. Yeah, that is sick as fuck. Yeah, that's dope. <laughs> George Pickens had a good one yesterday. I thought I hate the Steelers, but I hate the Ravens too. But George Pickens, he caught a, a, a cool ass pass for a first down, and like the defender was laying in front of him, and he just like stepped over him like Iverson in the finals. Oh, so, yeah, I like. Did he get flags for that? No, he's lucky. I would have. I would have yeah. been as a, if I was a Steelers fan. I would be like, he's gonna get his flag. <laughs> yeah, but, they uh, deserve it though. Steelers fans, fucking bitch, nonstop, bro. Oh yeah, no, no, I'm not a Steelers fan at all. Um, I'm a, I'm a Giants fan, but I know you're a yeah, Bengals fan. Yeah, I'm a Bengals fan, bro. Finally, a good time to be one. It's good to be a Giants fan too. Y'all are looking good this year, bro. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so I thought yesterday. I was nervous about yesterday because. As a Giants fan, yeah. especially in the late, because you know, the, the, I'm not talking about Giants historically, but the last ten years since the last Super Bowl, we've always had these games where it's like all you need to do is just winning it in, and then they lose to the Colts. You know, like the Colts somehow find an offense that always happens to us. You know, it's it's not as bad as the Jets, but it's still pretty bad. Where like you don't want to get excited until it actually happens. But then it happened. Yeah. They handled business yesterday real good. So that was really yeah. promising, especially when you see how the Eagles are doing and the Cowboys struggling against the Titans. You're like, oh, shit. And then you see the Vikings get blown out, and that's who we would, we would face in the first round. And they already beat us once. So I'm like, I like those odds. Mm. You know? Yeah. Minnesota's but, not very good either. They're not as good as their record. No, no. And a lot of people are saying that about the Giants, but I think the Giants are more of their record than Minnesota is. Because yeah, theirs the more Giants, modest, and yeah, yesterday was a good. You also don't have game. Justin Jefferson, <laughs> like it's like or you don't have a play on. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Or Dalvin Cook. Oh, well, we got Saquon Barkley, so that's a that's a push. Yeah, I think Saquon's better than Dalvin. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, 
But it's funny. We talking about funny celebrations. Yesterday, that happened yesterday at the mo- at the most fucked up time. So they hurt Nick Foles on a play, and he was out for the rest. Oh, of you talking about Kayvon? You saw that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so, I'm, a, I'm yeah. a huge Oregon Ducks fan too, so I love that guy. But I saw, yeah, when he sacked hmm. Nick Foles and then just started doing snow angels as Nick Foles is rising. So he's on the ground like this, all hurt, <laughs> rising, just and rising. He's doing snow <laughs> but he didn't. Bro, I, I don't think he knew. But you know, it's so, football, man. Boxing. You know what? Let me see if I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up on YouTube right now. I'm gonna see if I oh fuck. Uh see if I can pull it up for you. So that guy, Caleb Plant, that I was telling you about earlier, right? Yeah. He he just fought on the co-main event of a of a pay-per-view card back in October, headlined by Deontay Wilder. And he fought this guy named uh Andre Durrell. And they, they had a huge rivalry. They were talking shit the whole time. Andre Durrell even said, I'll never let a white boy beat me because Caleb mm. Plant's white. And oh, then um, at, the, uh, at, the, at the weigh-ins and everything, Andre Durrell even wore a shirt that said, uh, we're going to plant flowers with Caleb Plant's head cut off. <laughs> so the whole fight, like they were just talking mad shit to each other the whole fight, the leading up to the fight. And then Caleb Plant ended up... Uh, his ass. Like just fucking oh dude, let me I'll show it to you right here, but then watch this fucking uh uh this this celebration he does. 30 years of age. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Is Caleb Plant related to Robert? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> that'd be sick. He started doing snow angels and it's hard not to laugh, man, because you just see him on the floor. <laughs> Flip my camera around. How do I do that? Oh, uh, I don't know. Can you guys see it though? Yeah, yeah. Can you see? All right. Yeah. It's all right. You think it's all? Good night. Mm. Damn. So I don't talk shit, yo. At least, yeah, at least not in public. Yeah, I don't know. I don't oh, know. he's doing oh, he's, now he's digging up the flowers. He's planting them. Yeah, he planted them, bro. <laughs> he planted them. And, uh, <laughs> That's what I would going to the fight. All yeah, and Jarrell, the whole fight, Jarrell was like, I hate Caleb Plant. I hate Caleb Plant. And Caleb Plant's like, bro, I don't even fucking know you. And then wore a shirt going to the ring saying, he's like, he, the shirt said, you don't know me enough to hate me. And then after he knocked him out, he put on a shirt that said, but now you do. I'm like, dude, that's oh, the cold shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was some yeah. cold shit. Who had the better uh, record guys, going into that fight? Uh, it was pretty even, actually. I think Darrell was like, um, like, like 30 yeah Jarrell was 34 wins two losses and uh plant was 21 wins one loss and both of them the only guys they had lost to were both really good fighters too so uh it was actually a good matchup a good fight i got an interview coming out with Jarrell's brother actually uh next week or the week after i depending oh, no. when i release it but his brother yeah his brother's another very good fighter uh olympic uh medalist and everything from 2004 so it was really cool to be able to to like interview him and everything. I, I watched him fight when I was in high school and shit. So it was cool to be able to do that. But but Anthony got knocked the fuck out, bro. <laughs> and it was cool <laughs> to see because I love Taylor Plant. But that's crazy. Nice, uh, nice, nice. So um 
I know you said it's a good time to be a Bengals fan. What do you? How do you like your odds? You think you guys will make it back to the Super Bowl? I don't know, man, because Chase Chase is hurt again. Oh, and for real? Yeah, the, I don't even know if he's gonna play tonight against Buffalo, and that's a that's a tough game. Um, but I think whenever you got Joe, you got a chance. But man, the AFC's so good, bro. Act. Yeah, it's so good, and. But I think they definitely have a chance. But it's going to be hard to beat Buffalo and and Kansas City uh, if you have to go on the road for either one of them. Yeah, Kansas City, they flying under the radar, which is rare to see, you know, because of how high powered and how consistent they've been. But yeah, like, and they're and, still... oh, you hear you hear Bengals, you hear Buffalo, you hear uh, obviously, obviously Cowboys and Eagles, which I hate both. I'm sure you do. Everybody yeah, hates Cowboys. <laughs> So, yeah, but no, no, yeah, Joe Burrow is really good. He's really fucking good. Yeah, I love Joe. He's, he's, the defense too. Nobody, everybody thinks about the Bengals offense, but that the defense is very good. I don't think they've, they haven't allowed a single 300 yard passer this year. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, um, yeah, they clamped right. down in that Tampa Bay game too. It began, they yeah, began thrown out and then they just turned that shit around. It was like three turnovers after that. Tampa Bay, man, I can't believe that the NFC South like just gets to get a team in the playoffs. Like, it, <laughs> it's like the Seahawks when they beat the Saints that one year. Oh, with the, that was the year with the Marshawn run, though. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Run, or the what, what do they call that shit? The they they have a nickname for it. I can't remember, but uh, like the Beast Quake or some shit like that. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, he broke eight tackles. Or 12 tackles. Speaking of Seattle, what the fuck is up with Geno Smith, man? What, bad or good? That he's playing better? He's Dude, he's been really good this year. He made it to the Pro Bowl. Better coaching. Mm. Oh, you think so? You think think that's the big thing? Oh, who was the coach? He was on the Jets and the Giants, too, because he even – he was the quarterback that – um, when when Eli Manning got benched for the first time in his career, Geno that got the start. But you guys had so that good. coach. Who was it? Was uh, it McAdoo? McAdoo. Yeah, and that guy. McAdoo. He sucks. That guy and on cool. top of that, it was such a bullshit thing to do. Like they were like, "Oh, we've never started a black quarterback." I'm like, "Okay, so why start now? Like you've been racist this whole time. Don't act like this is gonna erase it, you know." But you're potentially fucking over Eli's chance at the Hall of Fame because he had an right. unbreakable streak. He was never gonna miss. You could have started Geno Smith after Eli retired. Like you didn't have uh, to do that. No, that was McAdoo doing anything he could to hopefully keep his job. That dude knew he was getting fired. Yeah. But the fact but that the team allowed it, they're just as bad, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, they could have said, see you later, like they did with um the Colts when they bring in Jeff Saturday. Right. You know, yeah, so that's... it was it was a it was a dumb move, but yeah, Gino had bad coaching at the Jets. I mean, it went from remember he got his jaw broken. People mm-hmm. forget about that. People talk all oh, the yeah. shit about like yeah. In the locker room, his roommate punched the shit out of him. Yeah, yeah. His teammate punched him in the fucking joke. He was a shit talker. He was talking shit, but he was a bad player. So it's like, you're not only a bad player, <laughs> you're trying to talk shit to the defense that's carrying your team. That's why when Zach Wilson, everybody's like, how can they bench him? I'm like, he's lucky he didn't get his jaw broken by his defense because that yeah, Patriots right? game was ridiculous. Yeah, he, he threw for like, what, like 70 yards? Yeah, two yards in the second half. 
Well, fucking Gino actually owed that dude money that punched him. And the dude said, I want my money. And Gino said, I ain't paying you shit. So he said, yeah, you ain't going to mm. do shit. So the dude fucking punched him <laughs> yeah, in the job. Yeah, there's a little bit more to it. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. He owed the money. But shit. Still. There was wild shit going on with the Giants and Jets back then, bro. I mean, I lived out there when fucking they found a dead body in Janoris Jenkins' house. Over in Fairlock. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, that was sometimes that that's when um Rex Ryan got the tattoo of um his girl in a um Sanchez. Mark Sanchez jersey. Yeah. Oh man. I actually got when it was one of the uh salute to service games. It was the Jets versus the um the Panthers. And it was back when the Jets had like um who was that co- that quarterback? The old dude. He played for like everybody. I can't remember McCall. Yeah, McCown. Oh, Josh yeah, like McCown. Yeah, and I got to run out of the tunnel with, like, the defensive line, so I was, like, getting dapped up by, like, Leonard Williams and shit when he mm. played for the Jets, so it was pretty sick. But the Jets fucking sucked, so it wasn't that cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man, that's crazy. That's crazy. So you said you um you served, right? So uh, yeah. you was in the Navy. You, you don't serve. Yeah. You served, I served yeah. Oh, for yeah. real? So, uh, yeah. What branch? In the army. In the army. army. Yeah, I was at That's Fort Hamilton for a while too. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah Fort Hamilton's a, a weird base, man. It's like mainly yeah. for like reserves and like admin shit. But <clears throat> I worked at the there uh, when I was recruiting. Um, but yeah, I uh, I joined the Navy right out of high school when I was living mm-hmm. in Vegas because uh, I'm from Vegas originally. Um, so I joined right out of high school, and then I served from 2011 till 2020. I got medically retired in 2020 because of, uh, like, severe depression and anxiety, so I couldn't serve anymore. But, yeah, I, uh, I spent five years in San Diego on the guided missile destroyer USS Milius. Uh, I did two deployments to the Middle East and, a, a, like, a half a deployment to Southeast Asia on a different ship, and then uh, four years as a recruiter. Mm. And that was probably the worst time, right? Being home. That's when the depression set in. Yeah. <laughs> nah, yeah. Fuck with you. nah, I mean, no, no, it, it yeah. really was, bro. Re- uh, being a military recruiter is one is one of the worst jobs I think in existence. It's 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 terrible, bro. I hated it. I hated every second of it. I never got any. The only time I got any type of enjoyment from the job was when I actually helped somebody, mm. and like was like they knew i was truthful with them they knew i was being honest with them and they were grateful for it because they knew that's what they were getting i didn't have to do the sales techniques or nothing uh are you like a mustang (laughs) (laughs) you like bitches how much you dress to lunch you like (laughs) chick-fil-a yeah bro and that's it's it's grimy too and it's like i just don't have it in my personality to be that type of person and and it's like i had just come from the ship right where i was highly decorated in what i did on the ship like i didn't see combat or anything but i was very good at what i did and then you go from that to being a recruiter and i was an e6 bro i made mm. i went from e1 to e6 in five and a half years and, and e6 is, is a pretty high rank you know that's like if you're if you're working in a store like like i work at lowe's now part-time and e6 is like an assistant manager of the whole store so you yeah. like you're, you're oh, a pretty awesome. good rank and but when you go recruiting 
everybody like a recruiter is you're once again the lowest person on the totem pole because you don't have like these these new kids just joining the military recruiting you have to go to like a man first so it's like i'm once again getting treated like shit like i'm 20 years old and then every like everybody who's in charge of recruiting it's these guys that have been recruiting for like 10 plus years so it's like they're not even real military members in my eyes they forget what it's like to even be in the military they just know recruiting that's it so they're so they, like selling a dream, basically, at that point. Yeah, and dude, they make you do – there was this one kid. He was qualified in every way, and he was a special forces candidate because of his physical prowess. But mm. then he told us, he's like, I have asthma, mm. which is an automatic disqualifier. Yeah. Because if you have asthma and you go to boot camp and you can't bring your inhaler with you, you can die. And I remember one of the recruiters I was working with, uh, he was actually my supervisor, but he – didn't even skip a beat and he just asked the kid and he's like how bad's the asthma bro do you need the inhaler and i'm just like what the fuck <laughs> is going on i believe so it so do you need air <laughs> yeah you know what it's not, not a problem once you get to your, your duty station they'll, they'll figure it out Wait, there's a platoon there's any other people who do mouth to mouth they'll they'll do some shit like that and then look at you and then be like okay put them in and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. so you want my signature all over this dude's shit. So when he gets in trouble, then you point at me. Yeah. No. And then yeah. when, you, when you stand up to him against shit like that, what they'll do is they'll start getting you in trouble for like little things, like other little mm-hmm. things that like you, you might have messed up on and get you and then get you in trouble for that and say that's the reason. But what it really is, is they're being vindictive mm-hmm. over you not doing their dirty shit. And that, yeah. that's actually... Because, so I moved, I re-enlisted and took, or I requested recruiting duty in New Jersey specifically. So I could go be with my now ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Just in oh. case you guys were wondering whether or not I'm a fucking idiot. But dude. Power I've done it. Don't even stupid. Yeah, that is it. We've all done it. Bro. Mm-hmm. Bro. I got a weakness. Should sure a female yeah. podcast with the same story with a female recruiter? Shit, I've left. Like, I've oh, left the places. Power dick girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've, left, I've left places because of women. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep, I love Hawaii, but I'm never coming back here. <laughs> oh god! So you mean like, there's I, no Canelo Jello here? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so then I, I I broke up with her like six months after I moved out there because the relationship was just terrible, and then. So I'm out there with a place I don't know. I got no friends or family and a job I hate. And like it's constant pressure. (laughs) Like you're working like 80 hour weeks. You're not sleeping. So I was just, there was one, it was a a Saturday and I didn't work. I had no work. And I remember sitting on the floor in my bedroom or of my living room, like shit, like rocking back and forth because I was so fucking nervous and just so Mm. panicked. And I couldn't figure out why, because there was nothing going on that could cause that. I'm like, dude, I, th- I think I got a serious problem. So I ended up going to medical on Monday, and they, they that's when they diagnosed me with severe depression and anxiety and gave me medications. And then they recommended that I needed to get out of recruiting. They didn't mandate mm-hmm. it yet, but they're like, you really need to get out of like having a quota for recruiting because this shit's like, ruining your life. So I Damn. requested to speak to the higher ups, right. To, to, to bring that information to them. And I had to drive all the way to long Island, all the way to garden city, which was like a two hour drive from Bergen County with that traffic. Yes. And I got told <laughs> I had to be there at like 9am. So I, I leave mm-hmm. at like six thirty. I get there with my dress blues. 
I get dressed while I'm there. That way they're refreshed and clean and they're not like not wrinkled from the car and nothing. Yeah. I end up sitting there to like 1500, bro, 3 p.m. <sighs> and nobody said a word to me. And then this guy comes to me. He yells at me. He's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I, I requested to come here. Like, well, you're going to go knock on the door. When they tell you to enter, you're going to stand at attention. You're going to say you're going to report as ordered. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And they're like, don't ask any questions. I'm like, all right. So I go through all of that. They sit down and they're like, do you know why you're here? And I'm like, yeah, I requested this. I just got diagnosed with, you know, depression and anxiety. And like, my life is just deteriorating in front of me. Like, first of all, we didn't know anything about that. You're here because you didn't put anybody in last month. And then it just became to this whole thing of them telling me how all of my shit was my fault. Mm. And then they're like, don't become a problem in your station and get back to fucking work. And I had to drive back across the George Washington Bridge, this time at like 4.30. And you guys know what that bridge is like at that mm -hmm. time. And yeah. I remember sitting there, I'm like, I'm not spending another fucking day in the military more than I need to. I'm done, bro. And that, I, I, <sighs> I didn't. Yeah. yeah. How ironic it would have been when they're like, it's all your fault. And then the person yelling at you is actually your ex-girlfriend. <laughs> oh, I'd be, I'd, I'd be in jail. How did I end up back here? <laughs> oh, man. I'd be in prison, bro. I'd be in prison. I'd, I'd really it, nah. Yeah, but that's man. that shit, man. You get people in charge of you that they just, it, do, it doesn't even matter. They don't even have to do no more military stuff. It's just they're in charge and what they say is golden, you know? Yeah. Well, th this is where they got even more fucked up because it, the doctors ended up telling – they ended up making it an order saying he can't recruit no more. He can't put mm. anybody in no more. He's killing them. So that's when they moved me to MEPS mm. in Brooklyn, but I was still living in New Jersey. So they ordered oh. me to work in Brooklyn, but they wouldn't let me take a government vehicle. So mm. every day I'm driving about 50 miles round trip across the Gothels, across the Verrazano. In my own vehicle, paying for my own gas, paying for my own tolls. They don't. They don't pay you back for that. Like you don't. Fuck no. They did it to fuck with me, bro. Yeah. So then when I requested, yeah. So I requested New York BAH, which is the housing allowance you get. Yeah. And New York's Brooklyn was about a thousand bucks more a month than New Jersey because yeah. of the cost of living, and you get paid based off of where you work, not where you live. So yeah. I requested New York BAH, and they told me no. They're like no because in, uh. It would take six months to get it approved. By then, you'd be out of the command. Um, so it just it's not possible. And I'm like, okay, well, then can I take a government vehicle? And they're like, no, because you're not, you're not allowed to drive a government vehicle from home to work. And I was like, okay, well, then I will take one from... Oh, oh my God, the government got him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. We lost you for a second, man. Yeah, we can't hear you if you're talking. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah, take your time. Don't worry. Don't rush. At least the government didn't get them. Yeah, they're going to get us now, though. It reminds me of the shit that happened to me. Remember? like, I mean, obviously, I, I didn't have it nowhere near your guys' level because you guys actually were military. But, you know, Koresh's random self-paramilitary. Yeah. So yeah. that whole shit where his last days was, I'm going to medical. Remember when I got sick? And then they were like, why aren't you in uniform? Like, to tell you I'm sick? <laughs> yeah. Like, like I didn't even want to come here. You're here to cross-reference my doctor. Like, I already had the doctors, though. You want your doctor to check me out now, and I got to still dress. You know, nobody told me this. They were trying to stick you after yeah. you were done. Yeah. My bad. Uh, sorry, uh, now bro. we still can't hear you, yo. My bad. Damn. Nah, it's all good. Don't worry. Don't stress it. Um, if you can't back out and then just reclick the link, maybe that'll help you. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I know. These jobs get petty, and it's, it's, not, it's not just... 
it's not just military. It, I think it's all forms of when it comes to governmental jobs. Cause you know the shit I did, dealt with in um, the post office too. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I wasn't military, but it was still government. It's still people who, but that you know, it's hard to say because. All right, there you go. There you go. All right, yeah. so you guys hear me now? Yeah, yeah, clear. Yeah, yeah it's because I got a call when I was in the middle of talking. And, oh, was it the uh, government? <laughs> it said scam likely, so fuck. So it was the government. Or your ex. Yeah. 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 Somebody's yeah. on the line. Nah, I got her ass blocked on everything. <laughs> and so, trust me, I, I know that story too well, yo. Yeah. All of them. All of them. Everything you said, I lived it, yo, at least twice because I'm dumb. <laughs> well that that's the crazy thing about it too is like you get like I'll, I'll run into other veterans a lot and it's usually the fucking marines but they always whenever they find out you're in a different branch they're always like oh well this branch is better and it's like then why the fuck did you get out bro mm -hmm. like, it was so great why the fuck did you get out you're just like that's like that's like bragging about your ex-wife dog like yeah like, <laughs> yeah now i always say the military it was the it was the best mistake I ever made because before that I wasn't doing nothing. You know what I mean? Oh, hundred percent. Now I got a podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, now I make no money doing a podcast, bro. <laughs> Fuck the military. But no, it did. It gave me a lot though. You know, like I, I go to college now and I don't have to pay for it, which is great. Mm -hmm. But you know, and it 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 gave me a great work ethic or helped me discover a work ethic I didn't know I had. I guess. Um, I kind of like what you say, yeah. but and and my best friends, like my my best friend in the world, I was in the navy with, you know, so I make great friendships from it. But um, yeah, I, I I wouldn't recommend it to anybody unless they knew what they were getting into, and that's what I would always tell my recruits too. Like, man, this shit's not easy and it's not fun. But at the end of the day, for the most part, it'll be worth it. And I still agree by that. Even though everything that happened to me, it didn't happen because of the ship. You know, yeah. although the ship life sucks and it's hard. But dealing with the recruiting shit is what fucked me up. And I would never tell anybody to join. But if if they know what they're getting into and they're ready to take that on and they actually want to become better, the military can do a lot of great things for you. Yeah. But I, I don't know, man. This day and age, the way the military is heading, and it, it only gets worse, and they only treat people worse. But the world in general is getting worse, man. It's a scary time to be in the military, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. They, everybody's in the staff right now, too, right? Navy, oh, Marines, yeah. Army. So. And, and everybody's, like, lowering, the like, the standards to get in, like, the new ASVAB score to get in. Like, the requirement is absurdly low. And yeah, it's, for real? Yeah, it's bad. Those are gonna become like corrections. <laughs> they yeah. gonna start taking like sixty something year olds. I was in, I was in, I, I did corrections for a little bit. I worked, I ended up working at Rikers. Okay. <laughs> I know, I know me, I know. <laughs> I don't do boxing. Let me go to Rikers. <laughs> yeah, just bolo punch a motherfucker, bro. You got that one yeah. down. <laughs> I wasn't trying to punch it. None of them. I didn't want to touch them. I didn't want to pat for them. It was the worst job ever. But, you know, it's still, like you said, it's that experience, you know what I mean? But, yeah, the standards and corrections is really low, you know, like, especially when you compare it to, like, something like State Trooper. Yeah. You know, like, they, they have such a higher standard. Like, State Trooper, I think you still can't have, like, tattoos just, that show, yeah. the tattoos that show, I mean, on your arms. You got to be, like, clean cut and shit. And they still have, like, a standard correction. I think they even taken convicts who, who've been uh, seven years after their... For corrections, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. They don't care what tattoos you are you have, but they do take a picture of all your tats 
and then you have to write a, you know, Henry, write a, yeah, yeah explain what, what the meaning of it was when you got it. Why, why did you yeah. get it? That's that's what we had to do as well. Oh, same. Yeah, when like okay, when uh, okay. when my applicants and stuff will have tattoos. I don't know what the rules are now. The rule they they kept expanding that when we were in too. Like at, before, like we couldn't even put people in with like neck tattoos mm. and then they changed it to like they couldn't have more than one neck tattoo and then um there's like certain gauges in the face. <laughs> yeah yeah it was just i put well, in the gauges in the ear shit yeah you couldn't do that they had to be like closed um really? but that was more like of a, of a safety thing rather than like a, an image thing but fucking park rangers require a college degree you can't even become a park ranger unless you have a college degree mm. You know why? Because that's a sweet gig and they want to <laughs> limit who could get it. Just like state troopers. State troopers start off, I, I know when I was in corrections, state troopers were starting off at 75000 right away. And by the end of your fifth year, you were making over 105000 Jesus. Yeah, state troopers legit. Don't all they do is just like pull people over for speeding on the highway? Yeah. But that's why they make those shit so strict because they know just like everybody wants to go into corrections for that eventual cash grab. You know, because in corrections, after five years, you can make over 100 grand, too, in overtime, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, but but you're in jail. State trooper, you're not in jail at all. And you're in a car for most of the day. You're pulling people over. Yeah, is there risk? Sure. But I think you'd rather take your chances pulling somebody over than dealing with Camelo Jello. Camelo yeah. Jello, exactly. <laughs> you know okay, what I mean? So like yeah, that shit yeah, and I they that shit is purposely done, you know. Even even when you go from corrections to NYPD, NYPD they require that you have to have more college credits, and in corrections you don't need any college credits. Right. Yeah, that's same thing with the military. And when I joined, when I joined, it was hard for me to get in, and I was joining out of high school, which mm-hmm. is like your that's the your target demographic mainly is is your high school students that's like the ones they really want you to go after the most and but i joined in 2010 when the recession was bad mm-hmm. so i'm i'm competing with like 26 year olds with master's degrees and shit for the same spot and it was and the they were doing they were short like um cutting the military down so like a lot of people were actually getting uh, kicked out they were downsizing the military because of, of funding so it was really hard for me to get in and I, I almost didn't get in just because of my ankle because I, I have a plate and seven screws in my ankle mm-hmm. so it was, it was it took me a while it took me almost a year just to get in oh damn yeah tough, so you graduated in 2010 I graduated in 2011 but I I started the enlistment process in the summer of 2010 oh damn oh wow yeah. so you're I- I mean, you're four years younger than me. It was, I graduated in 2007. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's when I started yeah. high school. Lucky you. Mm. <laughs> yeah. but you don't look 34, though, bro. Damn. <laughs> well, I'll be 34 in August, but yeah. Yeah, I'm still I've been fighting a good fight. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I turned 31 in July. Nice. Oh, so you are over 30. Yeah, I'm 30. Oh, and my math mm. is off. Okay, it's all good. <laughs> no, no, that's it's because I had to repeat eighth grade because my first time at eighth grade, I just I was so fucking lazy, bro. I just didn't do any work ever. So then I had to end up repeating eighth grade. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. 
That's right, bro. That's actually that's actually one of my the very first open mic I did. That was one of my jokes because I was talking about like how shitty it was being from Nevada, and like when I graduated high school, Nevada was fiftieth in the country in education. Mm-hmm. I was like, bro, that's almost last. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Yeah, how was that going up in Nevada? Like, weird. It's just like, like to me, it was normal. But like looking back at it, I'm like, yeah, this is pretty. I shouldn't have seen a fucking elderly woman on a slot machine smoking a cigarette with an oxygen tank go up in flames. But I saw mm-hmm. that shit. Fucking waiting in line for breakfast. I just see this woman turn into a fucking. Hindenburg, bro. But, <laughs> uh, you know, alcohol is everywhere. It's not. It's just. And uh, I grew up in a town about an hour outside of Vegas called Perump, which is like one of the shittiest towns on the planet. It's like, uh, it's like if Breaking Bad was in Nevada instead of New Mexico. There's just like <laughs> meth everywhere, fucking just white mm-hmm. trash people galore. There's whorehouses out there. It's just it was a grimy ass place, bro. I hated it. How, how did you become a Bengals fan being from Vegas? I know the Raiders weren't there yet, so obviously you wouldn't be a Raiders fan, but it's, it's actually pretty funny, dude, because it's like I've never really stuck with one team because I'm more like I think it comes from being a boxing fan where I gravitate to players more than I do teams because it's really okay. hard for me to identify like blindly with like these teams. Is 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 probably if I grew up somewhere that had a team, I'd probably be able to do it a lot easier. Like if I grew up in New York like you, I'd probably be able to be a Giants or a Jets fan a lot easier. But because I, I grew up in a place that didn't really have anything to be proud of. Really, <laughs> at all. He's like, yeah. I had no pride in nothing. Yeah. <laughs> He's like being Puerto Rican. <laughs> like, I, I never really, I've never really identified with Nevada because there's nothing for me. That what am I gonna? Oh, dude, we got gambling, bro. Like, who fucking cares, man? So it's like, I would always gravitate towards teams I liked and and or players I liked. But in college, though, in college, I'm a huge Oregon Ducks fan, and I have been for years. So when Marcus Mariota went pro, I liked the Titans because of Mariota. But then when he left the Titans and went to the Raiders, I didn't want to root for the Raiders because they like he wasn't even going to play. So I was like, "Fuck it, dude! I'm gonna I'm gonna be a bandwagon Bengals fan because at the time they were like two and fourteen. So I did it as a joke. I was like, I was like, I'm gonna be a a diehard Bengals fan as a joke, and then they ended up being good as shit. So now it's like, mm. like I don't know. It's yeah, both. so you locked into it. So now you can't really say you're a bandwagon fan because you actually yeah. for them beforehand. So that's cool. It's yeah. kind of like fat girls, you know. You like, you like. I'm gonna let this fat girl give me head as a joke, and then you're like, "Oh, that was amazing head." Dude, I think I like fat girls like, like, now. <laughs> and then she loses weight, and leaves you. like, I was a fan of her before she lost weight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was rocking with Kendrick when he only had mixtapes, bro. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So did you root for the Falcons at all this year? Because Mariota was starting for a good part. Yeah, I would. I would watch to to watch him play and stuff. And then I also had, um, I had, I drafted Drake London in my dynasty league, so I, I wanted to watch him as well. But, uh, yeah, I, I like watching the Falcons. They just suck, man. And as much yes. as I love Mariota, he's not in a, like he's never going to be like a, a really good NFL quarterback. But, I mean, we got Herb, though. Justin Herbert, he's good as fuck. Is he from so, Oregon, too? Yeah, he was two quarterbacks after Mariota. 
Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. yeah, no, Herbert is good. He is good. Yeah, he's very good. He's And it pisses me off, too, because we never really used him like that at Oregon. They usually, they just had him do, like, a lot of short passes and stuff and, like, quick reads. But then now in the NFL, he's fucking slinging the thing, like, the whole length of the field yeah, on target, like, too. Imagine if he had a better coach, too. Imagine if he was, like, Andy Reid. He beat Mahomes. Oh yeah, that the, yeah their coach. I liked him at first, but man, that guy is a fucking idiot, bro. Yeah, yeah same he, thing he with the the Browns coach is really dumb too. I don't think that guy's gonna last much longer. Stefanski, that guy's a fucking yeah. idiot. Uh, but that's yeah, good though because I don't want the Browns to be that good. True, true. Yeah, division rival. Um, speaking of bad coaching, did you see what Jim Harbaugh did this weekend? No. Oh, Jim from Michigan. Yes. Okay, I, I watched the game, but what are you referring to? Not calling timeouts. Uh, <laughs> There's like three and a half minutes left. He got to stop on the first down. You know, they were they were down six with a chance to if they got to stop, they could go ahead with the touchdown. And they got they got to stop on the first down run. And then I even think TCU was sitting there like, is this really fucking happening? Because then the clock just kept <laughs> clicking down. The next thing you know, it's a minute and a half before he called his first timeout. Oh my I was like, god! What is he fucking doing? Yeah, he didn't call any timeouts to the end. Then they got the ball like 20 seconds left. Um, I love seeing what Ohio State did, though. Fucking that last kick. It was like a go-ahead field goal pretty much to win the game, to beat the defending champions, oh, Georgia. Yeah, I saw that. And it, I thought it got blocked, dude. It didn't even get touched. Dude just fucking ducked. <laughs> Yeah, I think y'all saw you put up a meme when it was like they had it on Madden with the fucking shit all the way to the left. That's uh, that's out of all of the sports in the entire world, I don't hate anybody more than Ohio State. So I fucking loved seeing that. I hate <laughs> Ohio State. I hate Ohio State fans. I hate their coach. Their players are good as fuck. They're all giving that, but God, yeah, I fucking hate that team. But I think, dude, Georgia's gonna kill TCU, bro. Yes. That shit's yes. not this even. This is gonna good. be a bad championship game. If, if Michigan yeah. would have made it, it would have been interesting. But this, even then, I don't know, man. I really don't know. Yeah, because honestly, I thought Georgia was gonna get blown out at one point, and then they came back like that. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, they're too good, bro. They're too talented. Yeah, they could run. They could run the ball. Man, good. Is... And I didn't I'm know Harrison's kid was playing on um, Ohio State. Who's that? Marvin Harrison, his kid. Oh, dude, he got fucked up, too. He got fucked oh, up. Head. Really? Yeah, you what see that? Oh, yeah. One of the last plays, they thought there should have been targeting because he went up for, like, a jump ball on the back of the end zone, and he got fucking cracked, and he ended up getting a concussion. But, mm. yeah, oh, shit. He, he got fucking cracked, dude. Shout oh, out no. to Marvin Harrison, bro, out there yeah. killing motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he was doing it up. He was keeping them... In the game, he was making some big ass catches. Yeah, that kid's talented, yeah. man. Yeah, his dad was too, man. So that, that I love watching him as a kid. I love watching Marvin Harrison as a kid. That's why I feel so old. Like, dude, nothing makes me feel older than like watching football now. Like, I remember it was like a year or two ago when the the Hall of Fame class was like Ray Lewis, Brian Erlacher, and Brian <laughs> Dawkins. I'm like, bro, I grew up watching these guys <laughs> in their prime. And like mm. Brian Erlacher has like fucking fake ass hair plugs now and shit. I was like, so oh, you, know you made it. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, we had a moment on the podcast because Serge, he's not big into sports, but he follows, like he knows somewhat. So I was talking to him about basketball and I never had a moment where I felt like, fuck, I'm getting old. When I realized I'm the same age as Blake Griffin. 
Holy shit. Really? Yeah. I think I'm actually a little older, which is sad. Because, you know, you watch Blake Griffin play, and you're like, that guy's so fucking old. Look at him. He can't fucking shoot. He can't even. Remember, you went like a year without dunking. And I'm like, damn. And then I'm like, how old is he? He's got to be like 38, 39. Like, he's 33. I'm like, what? <laughs> Bro, <laughs> what about LeBron, dude? LeBron's been in the league mm-hmm. for 18 years. And it's like, dude, I remember watching you your rookie year. Yeah, yeah, but 18 years makes sense because LeBron is still up there. You know, he's born in 84, so what? That makes him... He's like, uh, 30, he just 30, turned 30. like 38, I think. Yeah, he just turned 38, yeah, because I think his birthday's like end of the year. Yeah, so. and put up 47 points. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, but I'm like, all right, 38, that makes sense. Because, yeah, I remember watching when I was younger. He felt older because I was in high school still when he started. I was just starting high school. When he started? In 2003, 2004? Yeah, he was the 03 draft class. Yeah. Yeah. yeah How often do you guys do then. comedy? Do you guys do, like, are you out there? Because what's Every the scene week, like in Florida anyway? Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's there, you know, like, surprisingly, you know, you could, especially the way the world is now, you got to watch what you say, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it's much more open out here. Yeah, there's there's a lot of open mics out here. There's you know uh, a lot of classes you could take to like get yourself at a decent venue. You know what I mean? Right. So it's it's pretty nice. It's pretty. It's one of those things, man. It's like it's like any fucking thing. Like if you're out, you know, it's gonna be drinking, and if you're drinking, if there's drinking, it's gonna be somebody not shutting the fuck up. Yeah, that's about the biggest problem I have. I mean, I usually just talk about myself, so I don't really have people coming at me because you how you gonna come at me for insulting myself you know what I right mean? yeah he's been doing more of the open mics he's he got back into it like over the summer and yeah. like you say he's been doing more open mics i haven't done the open mics since shit <laughs> since i turned 30 dude um then the pandemic and then i was doing improv classes and then the pandemic hit and then i just you know retreated into my fucking hermit crab shell of a home at the time so <laughs> But most of the comedy I do is is this podcast. You know, we spitball, we joke around, we get other comedians on, um, like yourself, or like we have a comedian friend out in Cali. Her name is Barbie. She's really funny. But yeah, we just try to get other people on, you know, from different perspectives and different um, comedy scenes to like, you know. Or anything, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. You know? yeah. Even, yeah. Even when we have somebody, like, I know you don't do comedy anymore, but you, you're more into the boxing, but. Still doesn't mean we can't joke around, we can't laugh and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. And like I like I quit doing comedy, but I didn't quit trying to be funny. You know, it's mm. it's a part like it's a part of my personality. You know, I I, I yeah. love making people laugh. But like you said, man, I think the pandemic really torpedoed my, like my comedy career because my last set before the pandemic it was march 13th 2020 which was just oh, a few shit. days before the lockdown happened yeah. and i did 25 minutes in slotesburg new york and i did a good 25 minutes and i was also i was in i was supposed to be in the finals of this comedy competition at levity live and i had a good chance of winning and if i won i would have gotten a, a spot uh, at like the albany funny bone hmm. um, at helium in philly i would have gotten a couple good stage spots and then the the quarantine happened, and then I ended up moving from Jersey because when I got out of the military, and then I didn't do another open mic, another spot until January of last year when I moved to Vegas. And the Vegas comedy scene, I heard it's gotten better now, but man, it was like, like yeah, I started off in Jersey, 
but Jersey didn't try to be New York. They had enough mm-hmm. influence from New York to where they knew how to run a comedy scene, yeah. but they never tried to pretend to be New York. Vegas is so close to LA and they, they just want to be LA mm-hmm. so bad. And, mm-hmm. but they also want to be Vegas. So it's like, you have all of these like ridiculous, like, dude, I had to do an open mic with a live band playing right behind me. Wow. <laughs> like, and that was, but that was the thing. There was no singer. It was just these people on a keyboard and like a bass guitar, like playing some chords as you're trying to do comedy. And it just fucks your whole cadence up. It fucks your whole rhythm up. Mm. People can't really hear you. Or then it'll be like, oh, we're going to do this show in a pool. So I'm do- you're doing a comedy show, like wading through a pool as these people are just sitting there. It's like they try to they try to do too much. Mm. Or, or if you show up like because L.A. wasn't putting on too many shows because of, of COVID. And then not only that, L.A. is like there's so many people there that it's hard to get stage time a, a lot. Yeah, so that's, you, that's New York. Yeah. Yeah. That's New but York. Then, yeah. But if you come if you come from New York City to New Jersey you're like, hey, I'm a comic in New York. Can I get on? They'll put you on, but they're not going to be like, oh, my God. Yeah, let me throw you up at this unless you're like an mm. unknown guy. So, like, yeah. they don't give a shit. In Vegas, if you show up, you're like, hey, I'm from L.A. They're like, they'll do whatever they can to get you up right away. And then they'll, you're getting jumped. Like, you're a, a scene comedian getting jumped by this comedian from L.A. who's not even that good. He just lives in L.A. because he wanted to do comedy there. And if he was mm. good, he'd be getting booked there. So yeah. it just really started to, like, piss me off. And... Dude, they would do, they would do features at open mics. So they would do an open mic and then throw somebody in the middle who would do like twenty five minutes. And I'm like, why? Why are you doing this? Yeah. What the fucking yeah. open yeah. mic? And it, it just, it really, it really. I think you were like, I think you were like Florida scene because yeah. they start early, they finish early. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, and you 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 get your time, and you know when you're getting your time, and there's not a thousand people in the line waiting to go on you know like new york is like that way you could be there till three o'clock in the morning and not even go on stage you know? right but yeah. out here you're they, the, the dudes that own the place like yeah you got your five minutes say like, if you're funny you funny you're not we will we'll throw the light you you know you got to get off you know yeah yeah oh yeah and a lot of people would just run the light too that's the other thing oh yeah man <laughs> you have all these you have all these hosts out there like i hate a host that wants to be a star of the show like, mm. you shouldn't be doing five minutes of material between every fucking comic, bro. You're the host. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, uh, it just... Yeah, yeah, you're supposed to start off strong, finish off strong, but in between, keep it chill. Yeah, but the scene's getting better. Like, they have a Wise Guys down there now, which is a good club for the scene. Um, I I tried a little bit of comedy here in Boise just because I had a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go to go meet Jim Brewer over in Florida. Mm. So I was like, let me hit some oh, nice. open mics before I, I go out there. And it's like, I did it, but I, I just, I didn't, en- like, I didn't enjoy it, bro. I didn't mm. love it. And it's like, man, I, I'm just, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to keep trying. You want to put that stress on yourself again. And then you're back in that, like, almost, not exactly, but in that mind state like like oh were... i know what my gun tastes like now i get it <laughs> <laughs> no, no like when you were a recruiter where you're like i'm doing this because i have to not because i want to yeah yeah that's exactly what it felt. it felt like a job and to me comedy never felt like a job before and it was really hard like because last year bro last year was fu- that fucking terrible bro when i moved back to vegas i was sleeping on my friend's couch sometimes his fucking floor in the hood of vegas like i mean the hood like, like our next door neighbor got shot right in front of me. And mm. 
I was, I was like, I was an alcoholic. I was drinking every day. I was like 240 pounds. Uh, I was working at lids, selling hats, making $11 an hour. And that was my first job out of the Navy. And I was just fucking, I was like, all right, well, I, I, I have to give it all to comedy because this is what I love, but I didn't love it anymore. And I just, mm. I felt like I had nothing, nothing that I loved. And it was just, it was bad, bro. It was a dark, dark year. So it was, it was yeah. hard to step away. I felt, I felt like I was quitting when I stepped away, but then I, I realized I was like, I didn't, I didn't quit. I just got what I needed out of it. It, it just ran its course is all. And I still love yeah. comedy. I love watching it, but like, I couldn't come up with material anymore. Not, I was not because I was no longer funny. It's just, I didn't have. Did you like that. Yeah. I, th there was no ignition there for me to come up with material. And if I did come up with material, it, it wasn't my best. Like I would come up with a, a few good parts and then kind of like, just like put shit together for the rest of it. And then I would go up and do it at an open mic and uh, open mic is kind of hard to tell how successful it is. Cause it, a joke can completely fall flat at a, at a bar, but then you go and do it at a club and it kills. So it, it's a weird yeah. thing. It's like, if it didn't do well, I just would never do it again. And then, Well, the, well the shit you think is funny is not funny to everybody, but the shit you think is not that funny, everybody's dying over it. Oh, my God. Have you ever had a joke that you thought was so funny and it just never caught on? All the time. Yeah. Oh my God. I used to have one like that. I thought it was so funny. I thought it was clever, and nobody like ever got it. And it was like it was talking about like Tinder, and I was making mm. fun of. People. I was like, if you're on Tinder to find love, you're a fucking idiot. That's like that's like driving the speed limit in Grand Theft Auto. That is not what it's there for. And it's like yeah. it just never landed. <laughs> yeah. I was so yeah, man. Yeah, that's crazy. I can just imagine the kind of review you got when they were <laughs> in Vegas when you were like, I have to perform off a lot of music. And they're like, yeah, he was funny, but he couldn't carry a tune. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> like, no, that's dude. not what my show was about. <laughs> and it was just like, just this simple, like I ended up losing my shit. I was like, do you guys, are you guys getting paid to do this? Because I feel like I'm doing comedy in a fucking elevator right now. Like, it's just <laughs> the worst thing ever, bro. And, oh my God. Elevator comedy. Actually, dude, it's crazy. This is the shirt I wore the first time I went on stage in Vegas. I'll send you a picture of it, too, because it was like, it was this place called the Dive Bar. That was the name of it. And mm. it was a fucking appropriate name. There's, because there's like homeless people in there, ghetto black <laughs> people, and then just white trash people. All mm. of them saying the N-word, of course. Mm. But then <laughs> there was like inflatable like sex dolls. There's like an evil clown head sticking out of the wall, like fucking Sweet mm. Tooth from Twisted Metal. Oh, wow. And then like inflatable sex dolls behind you and then a big ass neon sign that said dive but the v was out so it just said die and it's mm. like <laughs> no one is up there listening to me at all it's oh, like man. the worst place i've ever done comedy hey man, hey, man. well yeah man um we really appreciate you um taking the time out we really would love to have you back again and yeah. chop it up and you give it keep us updated yeah, um, for sure, bro. You know, I, we don't know much about boxing, so I don't know how useful we would be on your show. We would just be making, you know, bad jokes. But you know, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're more we're more than open to it. But um, let everybody know where they can find you. You know, like your Instagram, your your link, um, your podcast name, YouTube page. Yeah, so um, I'm mostly active on Instagram, uh, Shane underscore MCM, and then uh, my podcast is Punchlines. It's punchlines underscore pod on Instagram. And then on YouTube, if you just uh, YouTube punchlines with Shane McMurdo, it'll show up. Um, I have several interviews uh, coming out soon. Um, 
uh, I already have some big ones. And then what I'm most known for is I, I do these interviews with these fighters. And if they have a good enough story and good enough highlights, I'll take audio clips from the interview and make like these cinematic videos out of them. And I've got one of them, I've got like 350,000 views on and everything. So it's like, it's really what I'm trying to go after. And, and just, I found a way to get people to see the sport, how I see it, like, like that excitement for it and everything. So I'm going to be having more of those coming out this year now that I'm getting bigger names on. And uh, audio versions are also on um, Spotify, uh, Apple and Google Play uh, podcast as well. And that's punchlines, right? Punchlines. That's correct. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Yeah, man. Um, no, man, it's always a pleasure having having new people on, especially somebody as interesting and diverse as you, because, you know, you have the comedy background plus the boxing and just all around versatile, plus, you know, military like search, you know? So, um, but yeah, man, thanks again. You know, it, it's been a long time coming. I know we always talked about chopping it up. You yeah, always man. make me laugh with your memes and shit. So appreciate that, bro. Yeah, it's man. been it's fun, man. It's been a fun interview. Uh, you guys are really good interviewers too, and very engaging. I had a, a lot of fun doing this. Oh, thanks. Nah, man, anytime. Yo. Again, if you ever want to come back on, you set us up. You you already know. You get us up. We we, t- we try to keep it open for them for everybody who comes on. We don't want you to feel like this. Like like how you say. I don't want to be cookie cutter mm. and make you feel like this is a job interview. You, you next time you come on, we don't even need to talk boxing. You know what I mean? You want to talk about what happened in the new Spider Man movie? We have at it, you know? Yeah, for so, sure. Uh, you know? I'm going to try to get you guys in contact with my friend Will, bro. He's another comedian out of Vegas. But, like, he's he's young in the game, but he's already opened for, like, Brian Callen. Oh, and, right. Yeah, and he's he's dating a stripper. And, oh, I like him already. Yeah. He, he, you guys can talk to him about sports. You can talk, yeah, yeah, he's funny as fuck. I think you guys like him a lot. So I'll reach out to him, and I'll try to get you guys in contact with him. I think he'd be another great interview for you guys. Appreciate yeah, definitely, it. man. We appreciate it. Anybody we can find to throw your way, we we do the same, man. But um, you keep doing what you're doing, man. You're doing big things. I, you know, I always, I always try to support everybody that I get on the, that we have on the show. You know, so I seen you when you were going through your weight loss shit. You know, getting back into shape. I see your podcast and the sports shit. You're doing your thing, man. So keep doing what you do, yo. Stay positive, you know. All right, thanks, man. Y'all too, for sure. All right, All right man. man. Thanks for joining. We appreciate you, man. Hey, have a good one. All right, go. Yo, 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 y